Welcome to week five of the Globe Rose Saints Show. Sunday night, prime time. Saints versus the Cowboys. Came out with a win. We are three and one. A lot of holes that we have to fill, but uh, in the words of pretty much every coach ever, a win is a win is a win is a win. Looks the same as if it was a 65 to nothing blowout. Yeah, it was an incredible game. Uh, huge defensive showing by the Saints. Uh, I don't know about all of you, but when we continued to kick field goals, I thought we were going to be in for a really long game, and I stood surprised. They came to play and didn't let us down, so hats off to the defense. No doubt about it. We're going to go over a few stats here in the beginning before we get to the actual breakdown, and we're not going to go full-on stats, but – what I did find pretty interesting, if you break it up by half, defense played very well both halves, obviously, but second half we were even more dominating, which is what you want to see to close out the end of that game. In the second half, Zeke had seven carries for eight yards, which I thought was very, very impressive. And Jason Witten only had one reception for 12 yards. Both Zeke and Witten were the respective leaders in the rushing and receiving categories for the Cowboys. Uh, all right, let's take a look at some stats that I thought were pretty interesting. Uh, and interesting doesn't always mean good. Let's start off with the penalties. Nine penalties for the Saints for 80 yards. Five of those are holding penalties uh, on four of our O-linemen. Only Ramchek did not have a holding penalty. Armstead had one. Pete had one. Warford had two, I believe. And McCoy had one. And McCoy also had a false start, which is simply inexcusable. There is no excuse for that. I know he's a rookie. I know he's playing with Teddy Bridgewater, but at this point, you're two and a half weeks in, two and a half weeks of games, two and a half weeks of practices. You cannot have a false start at home. Uh, well, we all, it, it, was getting, it, uh, it was getting ridiculous. Uh, you know, when every single time you got a first down or you got some momentum going, you saw the hanky come out. It was like, come on, guys. Now, there was a lot of talk and a lot of Twitter out there about, you know, they, they're taking it out on the Saints, but – Let's not forget this officiating crew. We were 12-1 and one since the Breeze-Payton era. So not sure, not thinking that uh, they, they had something out for us there, but it was painful to watch. Uh, future Saint, yes, you heard that from me. Future Saint Des Bryant even had a few comments on it, and I do believe he will be back with the black and gold, and we could use him desperately. Definitely hope to see that come to fruition. Going into the Dallas game, the Saints were the third most penalized team in the NFL. They interviewed Peyton at halftime, and he said, look, we've been having penalties three weeks in a row. Uh, the answer may be to start taking players off the field. And, uh, you know, I, I support that. If we're in that position and, and we continue to make those mistakes, we can't afford to. So we have to make some changes there. Uh, at the end of the game, in his postgame presser, he said, those have to get cleaned up, and they're going to get cleaned up, I promise you. Yeah. Well, and McCoy, you mentioned McCoy with the false start, which, you know, is, is insane. You can't do that. But he had one even worse. He had the, the snap too soon when your tackle and nobody else was waiting for it. Uh, it made Armstead look terrible. But Quinn went just right around him and sacked Bridgewater. And Bridgewater, when he got the snap, wasn't expecting it, went through his hands, hit him in the stomach. Um, it was a kind of a weird play. I'm not sure if everybody remembers what I'm talking about. But, I mean, that cannot happen. I, I understand there'll be some timing issues, missing Max Unger. But, come on, man. Let's go. Like Troy said, two and a half weeks, three weeks. It's time to, 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 to get it done, I guess is the simplest way to put it. Tried to go with a big adjective. <laughs> came, up, came up blank. 
Kiss method, James. Kiss method. Uh, all right, let's get into some insights of the game. We talked about that. Teddy Bridgewater is the first Saints quarterback not named Drew Brees to win consecutive starts in the same season since 2004 with Mr. Aaron Smile When You Fumble Brooks leading us at the helm. Or when you throw an interception. Or that. Turnovers are good. Turnovers are good, according to Aaron Brooks. Alvin Kamara is just the second running back to rush for 40 or more yards in a game against the Cowboys this season. Saquon Barkley rushed for a buck 20 earlier in the season, the only other running back to do that. Michael Thomas was the first receiver with 75-plus receiving yards against the Cowboys this season as well. And, James, let's take a quick pause here. Let's talk about some of the historic streaks in sports history. You've got Cal Ripken, 2,632 consecutive starts. You've got Wayne Gretzky, 51 consecutive game scoring streak. You've got Brett Favre, 297 consecutive starts. You also have Mr. Joe DiMaggio with a 56-game hitting streak and the Boston Celtics with eight straight NBA titles. And right up there is the Saints streak of 30 straight games, including playoffs, not allowing a 100-yard rusher. Big accomplishment. Very big. Not probably as big as DiMaggio's hit streak or some of those others you mentioned, but... For We're Saints splitting streak. hairs. We're splitting hairs. Eh, I'll go with you on that. <laughs> uh, now, look, here's, here's a point I definitely want to make as we, as we get forward into our breakdown, but uh, I'm going to present the case that we are draining the luck out of our collective pot that we have for this season. Uh, you know, obviously, A.J. Klein made a fantastic play, popping the ball out from Jason Witten. Uh, Jason Witten has only fumbled seven times in his career in over 1,100 touches. So he roughly fumbles every 166 touches which equals two and a half years on average. And we were able to get that, uh, get that break our way. Also, Michael Thomas, the fastest player with 350-plus receptions in the Super Bowl era, only took him 51 games, averaging seven receptions a game. And he also passed Lance Moore for fifth most receptions in Saints history. James, you want to take a guess at the four that are ahead of him on that list? Sure. I'll go with uh, Joe Horn. Correct, with 523 receptions. I'll go Eric Martin. 532 receptions, number two on the list. Marquez Colston. From Hofstra. 711 receptions, number one on the list. Who is number four? Number four would have to be... Plays in the NFC North right now. Right now? Right now. Willie Sneed? Come on, Jimmy. And that's a that's a clue. That's a subtle clue. For those counting at home, that's the second time oh, we've used that. Jimmy Cracker Graham. Jimmy Graham with Cracker. 386. By this season's end, if Thomas continues on his pace, he will have 439 going into fourth place. And within four years, he could become the Saints' all-time leading receiver in most receptions. Uh, Saints committed at least one penalty on each of their first four possessions. That simply cannot happen. Jimmy, I know that's what you were alluding to earlier when you put yourself in that first and 20, uh, and you know on that play sheet there's not many plays for first and 20. Uh, no. Before... It, oh, go ahead. Was a, well, what was amazing about that, I mean, it did dr kill a few drives, especially there was one drive where we had back-to-back -back penalties. But 
miraculously with the very conservative game plan. Although in the beginning of the game, Peyton really tried to mix it up a little bit. But there were a few times we got out of first and 20s and actually converted first down. So even though we only kicked those four field goals, we had some pretty sustained drives. We didn't have very many three and outs at all. Um, and we just kind of came up short, you know, in the red zone or right outside the red zone. But to the time of possession was was tremendous. I think we out uh, held the ball 36 minutes and some change to 25 and some change or 24 and some change, whatever it was. 3604 to 2356. There you go. Close. Close, but no cigar. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, it, those things, to Troy's point, you play with fire, eventually you're going to get burned. Um, you can't keep doing that. And I think we spent a little time talking about maybe you need to bench somebody for a little bit. I'm not sure in the NFL that's really a good idea, but somehow, some way, you got to get it across. Well, and, and you know, Peyton is not going to be afraid of disrupting the norms. Uh, I mean, you're right. NFL level, you're, you're dealing with grown men, but uh, I know he's not he's not going to hesitate to make a move that he feels is going to wake up his team. So maybe that's the case. Maybe it's a, a chewing out in practice, whatever the case may be, but he's going to get his point across, no doubt. And lastly, just to wrap up some of this insight so we can get into some actual breakdown of game. The last time the Saints were able to win a game without a touchdown was 21 years ago on October 25th, 1998. In the Peyton Breeze era, we were 0-3 in games without scoring a touchdown since 2006. Uh, last night, obviously, being the first time that we had uh, that we had won a game that we did not score a touchdown in, only the fourth time in team history. Yeah, so where, where do we start? I mean, why don't we, we – we know this was all about the defense. Let's talk about the offense uh, for a little while. Um, you know, the, the first drive, the first pick, can't really blame that on Bridgewater. Ball was a little high, but Ted Ginn, catch the damn ball and get down and not fumble. That was ridiculous, or, or tip it up, get the easy interception. I was a little nervous that that would really swing some momentum. Yes, the Cowgirls did travel fairly well. They don't bring it like the Houdat Nation. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't a good way to start. Uh, but, again, the defense bailed them out. So we had, we, we had to be happy about that. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a 50-50 split as some of the ticket sites uh, were making it out to be pending uh, pending the ticket sales. They said that it was going to be a 50-50, but certainly did not seem to be the case. Uh, I was surprised to see as I was making notes for the game, we only had two offensive possessions in the first quarter, and we only had two in the second quarter. Uh, so it was uh, – oh, actually, I take that back. I'm sorry. We had three second quarters. So uh, th those first, first half flew by, um, and just looking through my notes there – uh, Alvin Kamara, I mean, I, I don't know how much you can, you know, you can oversell his insane ability to evade direct hits, maintain his balance, and always continue to push forward and fall forward. Uh, that is a testament to his uh, his conditioning, his agility, his, his strength training, all of that. His videos have become synonymous uh, with New Orleans. Uh, but, uh, you know, just very impressed with that. Didn't have, didn't have huge holes to run through as he had in the weeks past. But obviously, he's going to make everything he can out of, out of nothing. Um, Josh Hill, they, they ran the patented tight end screen and actually had some success with it, which got me nervous because I had a feeling we were going to try and go back to that well later on a couple times. Uh, but Josh Hill proved his worth on a, a couple outside blocks, particularly on Deontay Harris's reverse. He made a great block there to help spring him a little bit forward. Um, 
Offensively as a whole, you know, Thomas had the nine receptions for 95 yards. That was a big game from him. Cook, again, only three catches. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, and I don't know if we're going to find out anytime soon, but just seems like he should be involved a little bit more. And I, I hate to circle back to this quarterback controversy. I think part of the reasons we're playing Bridgewater, uh, he may be the safer pick, I, I guess, between him and Taysom Hill, but I know what I have in Bridgewater. I don't know what I have in Hill. When Taysom came in, uh, second offensive series of the first quarter and ran that run option and kept it and then bulldozed the defender trying to get over him, the, the crowd just became electric and the players became electric. And then we take him off the field. Uh, I just hate the fact that because Bridgewater is our number one right now, that we cannot utilize the skill set Taysom Hill has as an athlete on that field. Uh, you need him on that field, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue 2-0. and I mean, we're kind of being a little picky, but I agree. We've talked about it before. He definitely brings something to the, to the table. Maybe, to your point, uh, maybe he's a little erratic. Maybe he runs the, he'll run too much and could risk fumbling, or maybe he's not as accurate throwing the football. Or maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe he's trying to keep Bridgewater going. Breeze comes back, and maybe you have some trade collateral, and, and maybe you can trade uh, Bridgewater or do something down the road. Um, not really sure if, if any of you have not seen it. Uh, I know I was very late to the party, but there is a YouTube video from Taysom Hill's college days at BYU against the University of Texas. And if you watch that and don't want to see him play more quarterback, I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, and it's set to a Grover Sesame Street tune, which kind of makes it pretty funny. But I would think Longhorn fans um, still have nightmares after that day because based on the video, he single-handedly just destroyed them. So as a treat, go check that out. Grover, Taysom Hill, it's money. But um, the, the, only, the, the four words that came to mind in my mind, the whole game, and I wrote it down maybe six times, get rid of ball. Like, it was crazy. And we wonder why. I mean, yes, we have a good offensive line. And Breeze usually doesn't get sacked very often. But if Breeze held on to the ball, as long as Bridgewater, he would get destroyed. And let's not even talk about the last offensive play where you lose about 15 yards in a sack when you're already in field goal range. That was really the only really poor decision he had all night. Um, That's the only thing you cannot do in that situation. The only thing you cannot do is take a sack. And I don't, know why, uh, I don't know why Peyton tries to bail him out in a press conference and says, oh, I hated that third down call. Um, obviously, you liked it when you called it and you were looking for something. Maybe you didn't remind him, hey, check your first or your second and then go down or throw it away or whatever. And Or maybe he told him don't throw it away because we want him to use their last time out and he just panicked. I, I don't know. I don't know what he did. Yeah, well, but... but uh, to explain how pivotal of a play that is, you're in field goal territory. So whether or not he could just fall on it, that's fine. Let them burn their timeout, get Lutz out there, kick a fifth uh, field goal, and force them to get six on the way out. But with that drop, obviously we know field turns around. Now they only need three to win. Not even three to tie, but three wins the game. And thank goodness David Onyemata comes through with the only sack of the game in the most crucial moment of the game. That's what players do. That's what stars do. And that's what gamers do is they come out and they make plays when you need them. Uh, and I guess that's as, that's as smooth of a transition if you have anything else offensively, Jimmy. Uh, but if not, you know, it, it's time to show some love to the, uh, to the stars of the show, which we all know in years past, 
rarely has been the defensive side of the ball. But I'm going to start out by saying I don't know what Ryan Nielsen did last week. It's our defensive line coach. But these linemen came out hungry. And I don't know if they listened to DeMario Davis' speech last week, his pregame speech this week. But when I'm telling you double teams didn't even matter, we still got in the backfield. We still made plays. Malcolm Brown made the best play of the game, in my opinion. It's one of those underrated plays that probably won't even get shown. Uh, he had one play where he did break through a double team and sacked uh, Zeke in the backfield for a loss. But this play, he was double teamed. They brought him to the ground. Zeke, I believe it was Zeke, was trying to run through a hole. And on the ground, he put, puts his big paw up and helps bring the guy down uh, for a tackle while he's on his back with two guys on top. Uh, just a, a phenomenal play there. We got Rankins back, which was super exciting. He was on a pitch count for sure. But when he was in there, he did get uh, some movement downfield in the backfield um, Trey Hendrickson unfortunately came out with a neck injury they haven't released a whole lot on that he did not return Davenport came out for a little while as well but did return uh, but I just thought that that D-line as a whole they made it a mission before that game to wreak as much havoc as possible in both the run and pass game no they did and, they, and even though we only got the one sack we were getting back there almost every single play we hit Dak many times. He couldn't get comfortable on his spot. And again, having, having lived in the, in the Dallas area, I, I'm forced to watch a lot of Cowboys games. And when he can sit in that spot, play action, and just wait and wait for Cooper or Cobb or uh, Gallup to, to run those deep, deep crossing routes or, or corner routes, he, he's pretty money, much money. Um, but there was, there was no time. He couldn't do that. And that's why it was a lot of dumps to um, – the tight end to Witten to Jarwin, the backup tight end. Um, we kept everything in check and they played really, really well. The only, probably the only thing that um, it's not even a complaint, but it's just weird is in the past couple of years, we would have so many batted balls and tipped balls and Jordan even had like double digits for the season. And what I've noticed the last this year, for especially we don't raise our hands when the quarterbacks are about to throw the ball. And I don't understand why. Um, again, I'm being a little ticky-tack, but the, 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 a lot of throws over the middle are coming out low, and we're just not getting our hands up. So I think that could be something we could do to even improve even more so. But, no, overall, you can't complain. I mean, this was a, a dominant effort. 1.9 yards a carry for Zeke, his second worst. Um, you know, what else can you say? And, you know, it was a total dominating performance. The DBs, yeah, we had our holding and our pass interference. That's automatic every game chalk it up but um Lattimore played lights out I mean he, he Cooper got a four or five catches for 40 yards 50 yards and was really not a factor after lighting up the NFL the first three weeks yeah and to go back to your point with the D lineman raising their hands you know you, you kind of quoted it as being ticky tacky but I, I mean I don't I don't think so I think we're looking for any kind of edge we can get and when you put that paw up you don't know what's going to happen what kind of deflection where it's going to go to and you could go from a crucial third and short to a ball literally falling in your lap uh, as a lineman or a linebacker up there near the line of scrimmage. So, you know, I'm with you there. It's a good point. I, I, I remember myself saying that on particular plays. You know, put your hands up, hands up. Um, uh, you know, try as I might. They don't they don't hear me most of the time. But uh, they should. They, they should. They, they absolutely should. You're right. You are right. But anyway, I do think that's a good point. Uh, you know, and they know that. So there's either a reason to it. Uh, or just being in the moment and, and being hyped up. They're just trying to go in for that big home run uh, and maybe not thinking about the single that they could get, uh, you know, by putting their hands up. But I thought our linebacking core 
played very, very well. A.J. Klein, I thought, had one of his most quiet yet impactful games. We talked about the fumble earlier with Witten, uh, but he made a couple good plays on third and short. Uh, he was all over, I, I, you know, Demario Davis, I, I don't – probably his best game in a Saints uniform, in my opinion, uh, was was yesterday. And, uh, you know, when, when he took over, and I read the story about it, uh, Breeze had texted – uh, the game after he got hurt and kind of said, look, somebody else has to you know, has to take over from my, my pregame chant. And Davis basically said, would you be okay with me doing it? And kind of got the, the blessing there to do it. Uh, and you're glad to see that. You're happy to see that. But, man, words are hollow until you back them up with some action, no matter how, how grand or how fiery or how inspiring they are. And he backed it up. He backed it up last week. He backed it up again this week. He was all over the field. He was in the backfield. He was playing sideline to sideline. He was great in coverage. I just thought he played a phenomenal game. Yeah, he he is light on. He is the leader of the defense. I don't think there's any doubt about it. it took him a couple games to get going last year. But, uh, yeah, he goes all out every time. You know what you're going to get with that guy. And uh, kind of continues the tradition of some great linebackers uh, going back to the Dome Patrol days. So, uh He's definitely a throwback kind of player. Um, I think now we, we may want to talk a little bit about um, a little segment we hadn't done in the past, but I think we'd like to give out some beignets on a five-point scale uh, to our offense, defense, and special teams. So uh, I guess I'll go first with the offense. Um, they didn't kill us, but, you know, they did just enough. Uh, probably give them about two and a half beignets out of five, you know, kind of a, you know, didn't kill us, but didn't do anything really, really special. Uh, Troy, what you got for the offense? James, I'm going to go three out of five. I'm going to go three beignets, a nice little order, not not something you're going to get your stomach sick with, but a little, little something to, you know, to go ahead and satiate the, the, the thirst you got. Satiate. For the All right. Yeah, well, you know, satiate. Hey, I busted out the, the source That's before I got on here. I like that. I like That's that. right. I passed. I mean, five tries, but I passed, so don't worry about it. Anyway, three out of five beignets, and here's why. Uh, you obviously, we didn't light up the scoreboard, but I, I'm going to go back to time of possession. We had controlling drives. We didn't end them well, and, and I think that's going to be the theme moving forward is finish those drives, but when we had it, we were in control. We slowed the game down. We played our brand of football. Uh, obviously, the, the deep pass game and even the intermediate pass game uh, hasn't been our brand with Breeze out, but being smart with the ball, controlling the line of scrimmage, and gaining chunk yards where we can, whether it's through the run or the short pass. Uh, so that's why I'm going to go three. The points don't necessarily back that up, but I'm justifying that with the time of possession and how we controlled that game uh, probably between the 20s uh, and just wasn't able to punch it in the end. Yeah, no, and, and I could have went a little higher, but I was going to stick with that 2.5. But on defense, I'm going five beignets, almost two full orders. I want as much powdered sugar on top. I don't even want to be able to see the donut. I want so much powdered sugar because it's a five plus plus. Uh, probably one of the most dominant performances since the Dome Patrol days. I remember there was a game against those same Cowboys, I believe, after he finished his career, Emmett Smith's worst day as a Cowboy. I don't recall the exact stats. Probably should have did a little homework there. But it was something crazy like 20 carries for seven yards or something just putrid. I mean, it was domination. And that's what this was all about. 
Um, if you subtract the 32 yards they got on the second to last play of the game yesterday, we held them right at about 210, 215 total yards. And this was a team that racked up over 500 against some of the uh, previous opponents they faced. So, uh, yeah, not, nothing more to say. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick there with you. Uh, I'm going five out of five beignets for sure. D played a great game, had a great game plan going in to limit the abilities of Cooper to try and contain Zeke and to also try and contain Z uh, Dak. Uh, I really can't recall a, maybe a few plays here and there where he may have been able to get outside and get some yardage in the run. But for the most part, I thought we kept him in the pocket, which is where I want him, forced him to throw, and we handled our business on the back end so that our front end could go ahead and wreak havoc uh, and make some plays. So I, I, I loved it. I loved the performance. And probably my favorite defensive play call of the entire game, James, came at the very end, the last play, to go ahead and sneak that slot blitz with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson on a three-man front and just find that gap, go in, and make Dak throw that ball earlier than he wanted to. Receivers weren't even down the field far enough. Made it an easier pick for Marcus Williams to go up and seal the game. Uh, I was I was hooting and hollering and giving De Dennis Allen, you know, some imaginary high fives there. I just thought it was a great call. Instead of being conservative, instead of putting eight back, you've got seven. You know, that's enough. But to bring that extra pressure in a way that you really hadn't shown that a whole lot throughout the game, I just thought was a brilliant call in that time. And uh, and it proved, you know, it proved to be a, a great fit. Yeah, that was a great call. Uh, I agree. I knew that's where you were going when you started setting it up. Uh, may, another kind of, you know, hair splitting thing that's to bring up. I'm not crazy about going up and tipping it up and, and getting the interception there. Knock it down. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm snake bit. Was there for the Tim Couch uh, last second Hail Mary that beat us in Ditka's uh, home debut. Um, I was seeing it as the ball was being released. Uh, just knock it down. Don't be a hero, but excellent, excellent. And then uh, special teams, I'm going to well, go. Real, real quick, real quick, James. Hey, I, I, I know not to get in front of you at a beignet line. I get that. I'm sorry, but I just wanted to say real quick, Von Bell, Ooh, uh, I, I think we got we got to give some time to Von Bell. I mean, he played a, a great, great game. I don't know if he went to the Charles Peanut Tillman School of Punch-Out. I'm more of a Mike Tyson guy myself. But um, hopefully some of you guys got that. Thank but uh, he, you know, recovered two fumbles, forced another one. He, he is becoming that ball hawking safety. And I'm going to be honest, I, I love, you know, obviously we know what happened with Marcus Williams last year, uh, two years ago, excuse me, in Minnesota. But uh, two young safeties, hungry safeties, playing smart ball. Von Bell's becoming that just ball hawk, aggressor type. And Marcus Williams playing more of that center field type. I think they complement each other really well. But I thought Von Bell had a great game, and I didn't. I didn't want to go through this podcast without mentioning his name. No, I was rightly deserved, and and probably should have brought it up sooner. But um, good call there. Uh, on the special team side, uh, I really, really hungry. Want to go with the five beignets, but I'm going to go with four point five beignets. Can't quite finish the fifth one off. And that's still, hey, that's a 90, 95. It's a great score. Um, you know, obviously, that we, we spent probably two minutes on Morstead last week. He's, he's phenomenal. He pins him deep, gets it out of bounds. Um, but I, I almost just didn't even think about, I'm to a point now where I'm not even thinking, and maybe this is scary, I need to knock on wood, of Lutz hitting field goals. I mean, all four of those yesterday 
we're basically splitting the middle, no doubt ever, confident. Um, you know, I don't want to take him for granted, but but just money there. The point five I, I deducted was just no no real excitement from the kick return or punt return game. Would have liked to seen Harris at least you know get an opportunity. He did take one, I believe, out of the end zone on a kick return and mostly fair catches uh, for punt returns. But um, overall, well done. Yeah, and you know I'm gonna give him five. I'm gonna go ahead and give him five for a lot of the same reasons. Says Mama call him Clay. I'm gonna call him Clay. That's another one. Y'all keep track at home, please. Uh, But I'm gonna go five for a lot of the same reasons you just mentioned. He absolutely drilled them, all four of them. Uh, And again, I think we take I think we take Morstead for granted. Uh, Maybe not you and I, but I I think just as a as a fan base, you know, we we just expect him to perform well, and, and he does. So it doesn't always come off as exemplary or, or just, you know, incredible. Um, I know you deducted a half point because there wasn't a lot of excitement. But, uh, you know, for that reason, if you just look at the numbers across the league of returns, and, uh, you know, we, we got spoiled last week, defensive and uh, special teams touchdown. That doesn't happen all the time. So I'm almost of the opposite end of it, where if there isn't anything exciting from the opposing team, you know, then, then we're playing sound special teams. We're in the right gaps. We're in the right lanes. Uh, we're, we're smart with the ball, we're securing the ball, and we're setting up our offense to do what they need to do. So I'm going to go five out of five beignets there. So uh, just to recap, James, I believe you went two, five, four and a half offense, defense, special teams. I went three, five, five. A lot of beignets to be eaten. Uh, and again, I do agree with you. I want enough powdered sugar that if somebody sneezes, it looks like a crime scene. All right. There you go. That's a good 80s uh, crack reference. All right. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anywho. Um, All right. Well, look. Are we are we wrapping up? Uh, are we wrapping up this game before we move into uh, preview of next week? Or no, you need to give us Dallas's uh, perspective. Why don't you do that right now, James? Yeah, that's where I was going. So, uh, you know, living in the Dallas area, it's not the greatest place to live uh, as a, a Saints fan, a Houdat Nation uh, rep. But wanted to give some some insight into what the folks over here have been saying. Um, before I really give some good detail, the funniest meme I saw today was one of Dak, uh, might have been from his uh, Mississippi State days, I'm not sure, he looked pretty young, had a hat on, kind of over his eyes, and he was like, hey, NFL, can we play some of those crappy teams again? Thought it was awesome, great. Uh, Walking in the office this morning, chest out, doing my Ric Flair, you know, walk across the mat as I'm going into the office, really, really Nature boy! But uh, one thing I thought was very interesting, um, there was a lot of debate, believe it or not, and I would have never made this call, but there was actual debate um, on the radio, sports radio, uh, about whether or not they should have tried a 70-yard field goal in that position. Uh, apparently, Maher, or Maher has a really strong leg. He's kicked at least 160-plus in a game. Um, I would have loved to see it because I wouldn't have been nervous at all because I don't think he can kick it that far, but thought that was interesting. Uh, the next one, uh, the fact that they have Ezekiel Elliott also surprised me a little bit, and, and that is these guys out here have mad respect for Kamara. Um, they, they can't believe the amount of balance he has. Um, they basically were, were saying either he or McCaffrey right now are probably the best all-around football players in the game. Uh, so I thought that was was really insightful. And the last one, not sure I'm buying it, but I know it has a lot to do with it. But they felt like uh, they did give even Jerry Jones last night gave the Saints defense a lot of credit for dictating things. Um, 
but they really blamed a lot of the O-line struggles on the crowd noise and that if the defensive line gets that little extra jump because the offensive line can't listen to the cadence and actually has to use their vision to see when the ball moves themselves, that that's just enough for the defense to get an edge. And that's really at least this one. I think it was Nate Newton, the former uh, pro bowler, Cowboys lineman, was saying that that was probably the difference in the game. I don't know if I'll buy that fully, but I think he's got a good point. He's got a few skins on the wall, so I guess I'm not going to argue with that. Well done, James. Well done. Listen, before we preview the Tampa Bay Bucks, we have one additional new segment for you. And if you are a fan of early 90s comedy, uh, this one's for you. Hopefully you can get this one. We call this segment the Tom Ace Recap of the Game. And here it is. While the Saints offense couldn't get much going in the red zone, the Saints defense kept consistent pressure on Dak Prescott and limited the Cowboys to one rushing touchdown and a field goal, while Will Lutz connected on all four of his field goal attempts for a 12-10 victory for the Hoodats on primetime Sunday night football in the Dome. James? Well done, Tom Ace. Excellent. Can't, can't really uh, come back to anything on that because that's uh, one long breath with not a whole lot of pauses. And uh, well done, well done. On to Tampa. I'm going to say this, uh, Jimmy, I don't remember if it was you or somebody else, but somebody texted me and said, hey, uh, did you check out the score of the Bucks rams game? And I said, no. I, yeah, I said, well, why do I need to check the score? I know what the score is going to be. And look, let me, let me time out. Time out. Yeah. I, got two, I got two left. Uh, look, any given Sunday rules in the NFL, I get that. Uh, but history of the Bucks, history of the Rams in recent years, you know, obviously there, there's a difference there, at least on paper with uh, with strength. So when you texted me that, I said, you know, I don't need to check that out. Well, anyway, I checked it out, and it was 21 to nothing. Bucks with, I don't know, four minutes left in the first quarter. Uh, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what what was happening over there in in L.A. And I know they don't have the greatest home field advantage, but uh, that's a, that's about as far of a trip as you can get going from Tampa to L.A. Uh, and just came out of the gate swinging and and just devoured golf. Yeah. Uh, four, and four interceptions, something like that. Yeah, and, you know, granted we lost Breeze, but we weren't moving the ball against the Rams, and those dudes put up doubled nickels. If you're putting up 55, they got something going on. So they're going to be sky high coming into the Dome, where normally normally they, they give us a tough time. There was one home game a couple of years ago where we blew the doors off 40-something at 17 or something. But last year, if you recall, the shootout where uh, Fitzpatrick was God – um, to open the season, you know, they have confidence playing here and their defense has some playmakers. Uh, I'm not a big Jameis Winston fan. I, I think he's pretty horrible, but um, they have good receivers. Goblins really come on strong this year. You got Mike Evans, Peyton Barber, uh, defensively, David, the linebacker is a beast. Um, so yeah, they have playmakers. And I do believe that their head coach is, is much better than the previous coaches they've had the last few years. So uh well, I, I'm glad you. I'm glad you made that point. Uh, Mike Evans has has wrecked us in the past. Such a big body, a big frame, and Winston knows how to throw it up to him. So we definitely need to be aware of that. Chris Godwin really coming in strong here recently. He had the big breakout game last week, 180 yards and two touchdowns on 13 catches, uh, something to that effect. But yeah, Bruce Arians is doing everything he can to change the culture down there in Tampa. I'm a big Bruce Arians guy. I, I think you either are or you aren't with some of his you know, uh, methods and, and his ideologies on football. But 
uh, no nonsense. He's going to tell you like it is. I think that's what Tampa needed. I think that's what Jameis Winston needs is somebody to, to identify his weaknesses, tell him how to fix them, uh, but also just change the, the mindset and the culture of Tampa, which probably since, you know, the Gruden Dungy era, uh, it's just been unstable, not a lot of expectation of, you know, performance and, and playoffs. And uh, so his work was cut out for him, but I think he's the right guy to do that. Uh, obviously, I hope when we play him next week, we, we do everything we can to crush whatever progress they're trying to make. But uh, I, I do believe in Arians. I do believe in, in what he's trying to establish and set up out there. Uh, and so I'm curious to see how Winston evolves, if he is the quarterback for that team for the future how these receivers play up. They got a couple different backs that you mentioned that are capable of, of uh, you know, doing some damage. They got a speed guy, got a little bit more of a bruiser. Um, and the defense is young. It's a, it's a young defense. So they're learning. Uh, it should be a good game. 12 o'clock in the dome. We're on that. We're on riding high on three and one. Uh, so I think uh, for, for us, you know, I, I just want to, I want to caution Saints fans. Look at last year as the, as the perfect example. Week one, they came into our place and, and, stole a win. Um, so it can happen. I said any given Sunday earlier, it can definitely happen. I don't want to look ahead simply because of how we fared against four very, very good playoff teams from last year. Uh, you know, we can't overlook this one. We cannot yeah. overlook them. Well, and, and I forgot one other defensive player that uh, had a scoop and score, and that's Indomitian Sue, who happens to always play us really well. Uh, but overall, you made the point I was going to make. So you look at the schedule so far. We've we've had the, the toughest schedule. Um, all three teams that well, actually the three teams we beat and the one team we lost to are either are either in sole possession or tied for first place in their division. So yes, while the schedule gets easier now, that's also a, an opportunity where players can can maybe not on purpose, but you know just not have as much sense of urgency, not work as hard this week now granted we're still playing with a backup quarterback hopefully you know it's the coach's job to, to keep them up up to speed motivated um you know always look, working hard for the next play but if there is such a thing as a trap game early in the season uh this one does you know make make me nervous the last four games were nationally televised games and now we're kind of back to our noon kickoff regional uh broadcast and so uh they need to keep it coming no doubt. No doubt. Look, we're three and one. We're controlling our destiny at this point. It's a divisional game. So there's always greater implication there. There's a greater need to be successful and to come out firing. We've got to clean up these penalties, particularly at home. Um, and I think the defense is going to be riding pretty high uh, with the coaching staff we've got. They're not just going to sit up there and, you know, relish on this victory for a couple of days. Hopefully it's that 24 hour rule. You get 24 hours to celebrate. And then guess what? That victory is over. You don't have anything won for week five yet. And that's the mentality we need. That's the mentality that needs to be coached. And that's the mentality that needs to be believed by our players. Uh, you haven't proven anything to Tampa yet. And uh, so we need to have a great week this week of practice. Hopefully we get Hendrickson back. Uh, I'd like to get a little clarity on that situation to give us a little bit more variety and depth at that uh, DN position. But, uh, you know, you got to be feeling good looking at the schedule, looking at the circumstances, Breeze getting hurt. And so far, we're 2-0. Uh, I know we've, we've nitpicked a few things here. And on one hand, I'm, you know, how much can you, can you complain about a team that's 3-1 and one when their Hall of Fame quarterback was out on the second game? Uh, but we're, we're perfectionists by nature. And so we just want the best for this team. 
uh, as, as does everyone else. So we get everything cleaned up. We focus, great week of practice, uh, very in tune, very mentally strong moving forward, set up a great game plan. Let's see what we can do on Sunday. It's in our hands. It's in our yeah. hands. Yes, it is. And, and, you know, I've harped in this for two or three weeks now, and this is also something we need to find quickly or it's going to be it's going to be difficult for us and that is another receiver to step up whether it's cook he didn't you know his hands looked better this week but it just can't be thomas and one or two catches from again i mean Carr. i know kirkwood was was shelved um little jordan humphrey um somebody's got to step up i mean you know bring in emmanuel from uh from the preseason I don't know why he went to the doghouse so quickly. He was the the star of the preseason, bringing back something. But we got to get somebody else going. But um, you know, well, and this, this is what's this is what's going to happen if it doesn't, James. And sorry about that, but sooner or later, there's going to be a defense out there that's going to spy Kamara. If they've got a talented enough linebacking core, they're going to spy him, and they're going to bracket Thomas, and they're going to force Bridgewater to use somebody else. And when we get to that point, I don't know who's next. I don't know who's <laughs> next. Up. Yep. Yeah, but we got to go after it. Noon game, love it. We don't have to wait all day for the game to start. So that part I'm pretty pumped about. Um, and we're a couple of weeks away from the Globros going on the road to Chicago, Soldier Field. Um, but let's get a few more wins under our belt, and let's go make it happen. Amen to that. Saints fans, until next week. Globros, out. Who the fuck?